0: I got to tell you, I love uh, New Year's because I, for me, it's it's a great opportunity to to kind of look back on the last year of my life and kind of where I've been, and and then look ahead and set some goals for for the new year. And um, as much as I like to do that in my own life, I think it's a great exercise to do as a church as well. And so, the message this morning is is titled "Where We've Been in 2009 and Where We're Heading in 2010." Uh, and the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today is in Isaiah chapter 43. That's the Old Testament. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church, get in that habit. Maybe that's a good resolution for, uh, for 2010. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 43. If not, it's on your outline and up on the screen. Um, what I like about this passage is it kind of captures this idea of looking back and reflecting on where we've been and also God kind of tasking the Israelites to look ahead as well so let me give you a little bit of background on this passage of isaiah so here's some background in 586 bc uh the the jewish people the israelites the nation of israel uh, were captured by the babylonians and the babylonians came down and completely destroyed the temple in jerusalem and basically the jewish people were scattered all over babylon and um Basically, that's how things were for almost 50 years, uh, that they were in Babylonian captivity. And then in 538 B.C., uh, there was a a new uh, enemy to the Jewish people that kind of started to rise to power, and that was the Persians. And in 538, the Persians, under a guy named King Cyrus... achieved a series of victories against the Babylonians. So it was this really tumultuous time, and that's kind of the the setting or the context for Isaiah 43, when, when God speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and basically what he tells the Jewish people in the midst of all this going on with the Babylonians and the Persians, is he basically, his message, kind of paraphrased, is, hey guys, get ready, because I am going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free. And so we're going to look at Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 19 in the New Living Translation this morning. Um, And this is what uh, God says to the Jewish people through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I am the Lord, who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out. Like a smoldering candlewick. I want to stop right there for a second. So here is God and he's saying he's basically saying, Okay, Jewish people, you my people, okay? Here's the deal. I am the God who delivered you, your ancestors, from slavery out of Egypt. I'm the God who, who achieved that tremendous miracle for you that is kind of like the cornerstone of your faith now, the defining moment in your history. I'm that God. Remember, remember that? When I brought you through the Red Sea, I parted the Red Sea as the Egyptian army was bearing down on you, and then as the Egyptian army went through, I, I brought the waters across. I am the God who has delivered you. Okay? And then interestingly, in verse 18, God says, but forget all that. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Don't you see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and rivers. In the dry wasteland. And basically that pathway is the pathway he's going he's gonna to lead those, his people once again back to Jerusalem. And um, so essentially what God is saying in this message is he's saying, Hey guys, I am going to set you free. In fact, I'm already doing it. Don't you see it? Here's the thing. The nation of Israel, they don't see it. They cannot see it at all. They don't, they don't understand how God is moving. All they can see is that another one of their major enemies, another one of these nations, the nation of Persia, is just is rising up and is achieving all these victories. They cannot see God at work. And so God, in Isaiah 45, uh, verses 1, 4, and 5, he, he's basically saying, look, here's the deal. This is what he says. It says, this is what the Lord says to Cyrus. Now, note, note this. This is King Cyrus, who is the king of the Persians. Okay, so that he's not, he's not one of the Jewish people. Okay, he's, he's not following God, as you'll see in this passage. So this is what the Lord says to Cyrus. Note these words. His anointed one, God's anointed one, whose right hand God will empower. Before him, meaning King Cyrus, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened never to shut again. And then in verse 4, God's saying, why have I called you, Cyrus, for this work? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? It is for the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. I am the Lord. There is no other God. I have equipped you for battle, though you don't even know me. So what God is saying here to the Jewish people is he saying look you guys have totally missed this thing but you i am completely at work here and i'm i'm even Using a guy in my sovereignty, this is God kind of letting the Israelites know, I'm using a guy in my sovereignty who doesn't even follow me, doesn't even know me. It's this kind of this rogue nation, these, these Persians. I'm working in and through King Cyrus, and that's how I'm delivering you. I'm giving him victory over the Babylonians so that you will be set free. See, but Israel couldn't see this. The Israelites couldn't see this. And the reason they couldn't see it is because they were expecting God to move the way that he moved before. And God is working in a totally different way this time. But they're sitting there going, well, you know, this is how God delivered us the last time, so that's probably the way he's going to deliver us this time. And so they weren't able to see because... They were thinking, okay, God's going to answer our prayers the way he answered them before. God's going to work the way he worked before. God's going to move the way he moved before. Now, I don't know about you, but I completely relate to the Israelites. Completely do. In my life, when I kind of look back on my times when, when I've just heard from God in a powerful way, I've had an experience with God where God's answered a prayer or delivered me in some way, like I, I look back on those times, and then when I'm in my... You know, whatever's going on with me and the latest crisis or the latest thing that I need God for, uh, basically, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, this is how God moved last time, so this is probably how God's going to move this time. And uh, a classic example for me was um, I, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, after I finished college, I started going to this church. I'd been away from church for a long time and had a lot of questions and doubts about God. And and I came to a church. It was a lot like grace, and it was a place where I was able to wrestle and ask a lot of questions. And I I came to put my faith in, in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I just remember feeling like this was the church. This church in Cincinnati, where this is where God speaks to me. This is where it happens for me. You know, you have your little your little chair, your little spare area. Well, this is the, the sacred place. You know, God doesn't speak in other parts, but this is where God speaks to me. And um, you know, I fell in love with this beautiful redhead who is now my wife. And um, She was like, she was on to do a new thing, man. Like, it was D.C., let's do this thing. And I was just, I mean, she had to wrestle me out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and out of that church, because that's where God moves for me. That's where God speaks. That's how it works for me. And basically what God was doing was God was working a totally new thing. God was bringing me to a new place. But, um, you know, I fall into that trap that uh, that the israelites were falling into where you god is saying look yeah you got to remember that stuff you don't know, remember that i'm in that and i'm the god who delivers you but don't get so wrapped up in in predictable patterns and don't try and put me in a in a box you know don't try and reduce me to a formula that this is the way it worked you know five years ago ten years ago last year six months ago it's a it's a totally new thing that's what god is saying so I don't know if you can, if you can relate to, to my situation or relate to the Israelites, but um, fortunately for us here at Grace Community Church, uh, just going into starting our 10th year as a church, uh, that's not the way God seems to be working at Grace. God always seems to be up to new things. At Grace Community Church, uh, always seems to be inspiring new stuff. And so, what I want to spend uh, the remaining few minutes on uh, of this sermon is is kind of look back at what what new things, what things was God inspiring in two thousand nine, and and then what things is God inspiring into two thousand ten. So, um, kind of what I want to use as a, as a little guide or a map is a, an acronym called GAPS, which uh, if you've been coming for a while, you've heard John talk about this. Um, but uh, j- just if you want to fill in some blanks, um, the, the G in GAPS stands for groups. These are kind of like the four, uh, the, the four things that uh, we believe strongly. If you are doing these four things at Grace, uh, there is a high likelihood that you are going to have a connection with God and a connection with other people here at grace so the g is for groups and we're talking about with groups is uh community groups which are like our classic bible study groups where we get together like seven to twelve people get together um we, we have prayer groups that meet and then we also have something called life groups and um Life groups uh, were something that, that uh, really took force and, uh, and started to, to really uh, just grow and thrive at Grace in 2009. And they came about kind of interestingly. Um, I had been feeling for some time, uh, one of my responsibilities at Grace is, is overseeing groups and group life. And I'd just been feeling for some time that, that there was something we needed to change. There was something we needed to do with groups. And I didn't know what it was. And I was, like, studying every church, you guys. Like, what's, what's the new stuff that groups are doing? And, you know, let's get innovative. Let's see what's going on out there. And I just was beating my head against the wall, but just feeling like something needs to change. And I walked into John's office, and, uh, and I said, you know, I'm just struggling here. Can you give me some insight? Can you give me some help? And he really wasn't trying to be a jerk when he gave me the response that he gave me. I mean, he's, with all sincerity – he looks at me and he goes, Derek, um, I know the answer's in the Bible, and I know you're going to find it. And, uh, and that's pretty much how he's been responding to a lot of my questions uh, <laughs> these days. And, and so, uh, but ch- it, true enough, um, started searching the scriptures and looking at what does the Bible have to say about groups? Novel concept, isn't it? So um, anyway, we all know that Jesus had uh, a little community group, his 12 disciples. But what I didn't realize was that Jesus had this inner circle. He had these three, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, that uh, there was this tight-knit group of guys. And there were many experiences that those three guys shared with Jesus that not everybody got to um, be a part of. And so um, taking a look at that, we kind of came up with a term. It's not in the Bible, but, but we call these groups life groups. And uh, that's something that these groups really took off at Grace in 2009. And basically what life groups are is just two to four people who get together and read the Bible and, and pray together. But uh, because they're so small, because they're smaller in nature, one of the, the natural byproducts that happens in a life group is you just are prone to share a little bit more stuff. And you can really share what's going on in your life. That's why it's a life group. And uh, there, you won't see a sign-up for a life group here at Grace. Grace. Uh, that's not something that we kind of mandate or, or put on anybody. But, but basically what happens is we, we have a page on our website, if you go to the, our groups page, um, where you can see kind of what it means to be a life group and how to get one started. And it's essentially uh, just when you get to a place where you have met a few people at Grace, you've built some trust, and you just kind of have a level of respect for one or two or three other people, you just kind of come together on your own time, and, and you start working this thing out. And we just kind of leave it up to God to lead. And uh, and it's a it's a really cool thing. So uh, that's something that's continuing into 2010. And maybe you're here and you're thinking that sounds pretty cool. So that might be a new thing for you. I'm going to throw out a bunch of uh, ideas for you, and we'll figure out maybe where God is leading you. Um, the second thing that happened with respect to groups in 2009 was uh, our community groups, kind of our traditional you know Bible study and prayer groups um, that are a little bit larger. Um, we we. Change the way we um, which kind of change the format and the structure of the way we do groups. So, um, what I had worked for years to do was to basically l- like just hand on a silver platter, you know, some discussion questions, and I would kind of guide and facilitate, you know, through creating these discussion guides for a, for a group leader. And my, my pitch to the group leaders a lot was like, all you have to do, you don't have to do any preparation, you just, you just read the questions and just kind of shut up. And you know, let let the conversation flow, and um, and what we did, we just felt like God was was leading us to a whole new format. Was basically um, was t- finding some really good leaders, solid leaders that really caught of you know understand what we're trying to do at Grace and catch a vision for Grace, and, and essentially saying this: Okay, get your group together and pick a book of the Bible. Decide on a book of the Bible, doesn't matter. And then we will give you a commentary, a biblical commentary that that we feel is good and balanced and all that good stuff. And then you guys wrestle with the text. You guys jump into the the commentary and get the history and the context of what's going on. And we empowered those groups and we empowered those leaders to basically say, you know, hey, guys, uh, you wrestle with God over this and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say to this group? And it has just been a phenomenal endeavor. Um, If you haven't been in a community group in a while at Grace, I highly encourage you. We just started this last February. I highly encourage you to give it a shot. We've even got groups that are now rotating uh, leadership, and it's just awesome the kind of stuff that is happening there. Um, So in 2010, um, oh, and and last thing on, on the community group thing, if you're interested in getting into a community group, um, we're going to be doing a, another community group launch. We're going to be kicking off a bunch of new community groups uh, towards the end of January. January 24th is going to be the Sunday. And if you're going to be out of town, you can fill out a Connect card or send me an email, and uh, and we'll make sure we get you signed up. So in terms of 2010, where we're going with, with our groups, um, as a leadership team, as a staff, and as a board, uh, we just have a strong sense. We were at our last retreat, that we, our staff and board retreat, and and there was just kind of this – this thing that was stirring inside of us that uh, we are feeling like we need to put a more uh, intentional focus on discipleship. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And we are actually putting the final touches on a curriculum uh, that, that any group can use, life group, community group, even a prayer group. Um, where you would kind of go through and look at what are, the, what are the main aspects or what are the main components and just being a little bit more intentional about making sure that we're equipped with those things. And so that's going to be something you're going to hear a lot more about. We're actually going to be talking about that next week. So that's the G. Uh, a in GAPS stands for assemblies. And basically assemblies, that's like our Sunday services. That's when we come together as a church and we have a service. Um, <coughs> We had just so many cool things, fun things that we did last year. Uh, I just want to hit on one that was really uh, pretty cool and got inspired, uh, which was the Acts experience. If you guys were here last year, you remember we did that uh, back in the spring where uh, we had about 225 of us uh, for six weeks trying to live more intentionally as as the church in the book of Acts lived. And uh, that was just uh, a blast. And John already mentioned that in your bulletin there's we've got like the, the first six months of sermons and sermon series that we're doing. I just want to highlight a couple things that, that are new things uh, that, that God is inspiring and, and uh, that we're really excited about. All this stuff is cool. But in April we're doing a series on heaven that we've never done before. And um, I love the, the title of the first message. I think it's going to be called Why... Why would I want to be? Why would I want to go to heaven when all my friends are going to be partying in hell? And um, so we're going to we're going to take a look at what what you know what do we really know about heaven? What does the Bible really tell us about heaven? And, and what does that mean for us practically today? So uh, I'm excited about that one. And then uh, in in May we're going to spend the whole month of May looking at discipleship and, and looking at discipleship. How did how did discipleship work two thousand years ago? You know. Uh, what did it mean to be a follower back then, and what can we learn about that looking at from a historical context? And that's going to be a, a lot of fun. But um, there's one thing with respect to our assemblies, our Sunday services, that, um, that we just really, really feel stirred up about as a leadership team here at Grace. Um, and we don't exactly know what it's going to look like entirely, but um, what we just sense so strongly, It's palpable as a board and as a staff is that God is up to a new thing with respect to our Sunday services. And so um, we just believe that God is saying, if you are going to continue to be the church that I've created you to be, uh, you need to continue to to be in a position where you can reach out, where you can grow, where you can expand, where you can reach people who don't go to church. And so um, we are very seriously considering considering adding a third service to be able to accommodate uh, more folks, and uh, the other thing that we're we're entertaining, or just actively in the process of doing, is looking for a new location, a larger location, we don't have anything kind of lined up at all, but we are just actively searching for a place, and this, wouldn't it be cool if we could all meet together, both services, I know you guys like the 11 o'clock service too, you know so, but we could all be together in, in a larger space, come together as a, as a community, as a family. So, um, anyway, we, we actually have a sense that, um, <coughs> excuse me, that... The answer to where we're supposed to move next or what that new thing that God is doing that we can't see yet, but we just sense that that might actually be found somewhere within within this community, within this congregation. And so if you have something that you feel like God's been saying to you with respect to where grace is headed or where we're supposed to go, we want to know that. So email me, email John, write it down on your Connect card. Uh, we're just we're just trying to figure out what is that new thing that God is doing because we just feel like he is up to something and uh, and we want to know what that is. So that's assemblies. Uh, the P stands for practices, and what uh, we mean by practices is personal spiritual practices. Those things that uh, we do, not uh, when we're gathered with other people, but when we do kind of our personal stuff that we do with God. Things like reading the Bible and reflecting on Scripture. Uh, things like prayer and, and just times of contemplation. Um, and things like our giving, our financial giving. That's stuff that's between us and God. Um, one of the things that, uh, that, that put this on our radar screen in 2009 was actually a survey that we, we did church-wide. A ton of you guys took this survey at the end of 2008. It was a spiritual uh, life survey. And um, it was amazing. The results uh, that came back from what you guys uh, identified through this survey, and not just you guys, but it was also confirmed with uh, thousands of churches across the country, is that there are kind of five top five catalysts for spiritual growth. There's there's five things that we can do that will help us connect with God. And interestingly enough, two of the top three things were personal spiritual practices. Number one was reading the Bible. And then the other one that was up there was, you know, prayer, meditation, our our financial giving, that sort of stuff. helps us to connect with God. And so... um, we just we were so charged up about that because, you know, what do churches think about when we think about helping people in their relationship with God? We think about, oh, get them to come to church on Sunday, right, and then get them involved in a group, get them involved serving. And two of those top three were just personal spiritual practices. How do we equip people? How do we encourage you guys to just work on your own personal relationship with God? And so we thought, should we? do a sermon about this? Should we, should we preach these top five things? Like, how do we communicate this to the church? And we came up with this um, with this idea of doing a next step with, with everyone. We would offer to the entire church a one-on-one meeting with a member of the staff. We would walk through those top five things with you. And basically, we would, we would be a resource for you and say, we're here to help you in whatever area you'd like to move forward, that you sense God is leading you. And, um, and so we have, we, I think we've done close to 150 next step meetings. And if you haven't done one, that's something that is continuing into 2010. If you haven't set up a a next-step meeting, it's awesome. It's a chance to share a little bit of your spiritual journey and then look at those five things and brainstorm with a member of the staff. How can Grace Community Church resource you to get closer to God? I I cannot encourage you enough to sign up for one of those. Just use your Connect card or or send an email on that one. Um, And here's something that that we would love to know for 2010. Um, How can we better support you and encourage you in your personal spiritual practices? I try and encourage you to bring your Bible to church. I think it's a very small step. I think it's a good habit to get into. I think it builds momentum. Uh, You know, at the end of 2009, we did this New Testament challenge thing. We handed out those bookmarks, and a number of you just gave us great feedback on that. That helped you to kickstart and get into a habit of reading your Bible again. What other things could we do to empower you to, to kind of connect with God um, you know, individually? Could we create a reading room? or like what, what could we do? If you have any ideas, we would love to hear them. All right. So that's, uh, that's the P, personal spiritual practices. And the S in gaps is service. <clears throat> service. If you've been coming to Grace for a while, you know that this is a very uh, service-oriented church. Um, I just want to give you a couple of highlights uh, for me from from 2009 um, <clears throat> that were just God. It was just up to up to really cool stuff at Grace. The first one is uh, is that hillside in Mexico. If you've been coming, you've heard about the community of El Florido. Um, <clears throat> basically, this is a, a hillside that we have been visiting for a number of years, and um, I got to tell you. Um, 2009 was a really special year uh, on that hillside and for for this church because we went from a church that kind of in years past would just go and and build houses for people who didn't have houses. Dude, that's awesome, right? I mean, that's, that's good stuff. But in 2009, everything shifted, and we became, instead of just focusing on the building, the whole emphasis, the whole shift just turned to relationship building. And, uh, and so we, we built a school there in 2009. We, did, we were doing some vacation Bible school type stuff with the kids. And whereas before we would build a house and, you know, that family that was getting the house, they'd be up there and involved and active and we'd, we'd meet a few people. We we're talking 200 people from that hillside all up on the top of the hillside, not just connecting with the group that was there from Grace, but connecting with each other, you guys. This relationship started to form within this community. This community, El Florido, started to become really empowered. Neighbors started to talk to each other, started working together. This is is so exciting. Um, So one of the things we tasked them to do is form a committee so we could start to try and understand their needs better and, like, come up with some stuff that we could do that they actually, you know, wanted us to to do. And um, this committee is still meeting. The community is now proactively doing stuff on that hillside. Like the the school that we built, they've been working to clear ground, and they actually started to pour some concrete for a playground um, just on their own. This is stuff that wasn't happening before. We've kind of, you know, I mean, I say we, but God's really the, the spark or the catalyst in this whole thing. And um, it's just – it's super cool, and so in 2010 we've got some more trips planned. In fact, um, we've got one trip where our youth are going to go down, and uh, what the community has said that they would really like is a place where um, their kids could could have some kind of productive activity going on. And so we're gonna we're gonna uh, do a basketball court for uh, for the community because that's something that they have asked for that that they would like. But um, I mean, we're talking about potentially doing some community gardens. Um, and and there's just some really exciting stuff happening there but this is this is the the biggest one for me um there is no water that gets piped up to that hillside um they don't have water at all and it's a huge barrier it's it's a huge problem for that community and um i don't know how this has come about i don't know if somehow the government has noticed all the activity and all the work that we've been doing but um but 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 Basically, the, the Mexican government is in preparation, making plans to, to bring water up to the top of that hillside. And so it's just incredible. And we are basically arm-in-arm, arm. Uh, we are we're working, we're actually, Josh has been sending emails and been in contact with with the authorities there to kind of make sure that they know that we're involved and we want to see this thing through. And if, if they're going to bring it up to the hill and we have to plumb into the houses or whatever we've got to do, we are going to uh, make sure that this community has, uh, has running water to their houses. So it's a really cool year in, in 2010 for, uh, for Mexico. I encourage you, if you haven't been there, uh, go there. It, it, is, it is an amazing, amazing experience. So that's the kind of the, the international side of things. Uh, one of the many things we do internationally Uh, on a a local front. Another project that we've been doing for years, you guys, um, which is the Carpenter shelter down in Alexandria. We actually had a group down there this morning. This is a homeless shelter in Alexandria where um, we've been going for years, just like three or four times a year, cooking breakfast um, on a a Saturday morning. And for whatever reason, in 2009 – like, we were just kind of going along all these different years, just kind of even keel. And in 2009, we had this tremendous surge in interest from, from you guys in wanting to get involved at the Carpenter shelter. And um, so it, it got so crazy that we had to start seeing what we could get more volunteer opportunities. And so now we're going two Sundays a month. And we we cook breakfast before, uh, before church starts. So if someone's sitting next to you and they smell a little bit like bacon and eggs, they were probably there this morning and came right here. Um, and so... And in fact, the demand, like among you guys, is is growing even more to the to actually where we're looking at. We were trying to get every Sunday, but we, we, we can't. We don't want to force their church out, so we're gonna. You know, we're not gonna do that. But we're looking into doing a weeknight weeknight dinner which maybe open up some possibilities for like games and kind of fun interactive stuff we're hoping so uh, if you haven't checked that out the carpenter shelter is one of many things we're doing uh, locally right here in uh, in our community that we're where we just feel like God is on the move and uh, so we're excited to see where that is heading for 2010 Um, and so I talked about uh, service internationally and and domestically and I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, briefly mentioned something that's happening right within Grace Community Church. Um and I just got to tell you if you are the kind of person where you're like I want to know where is the greatest need at, at Grace Community Church. Like I'm just on I love this church and I want to I want to be serving where I can make a difference and you know tell me tell me where is that area. Well, let me tell you that area is in our children's ministry, which we call our family ministries. We have seen explosive growth in 2009. We had one month where we had to open four new classrooms, you guys. Four in one month. Crazy stuff is going on. That is, that is the growth area of Grace Community Church at this moment. And so um, I just encourage you, if you like kids and you want to have an impact at Grace Community Church, please, please reach out to Brenda. Um, and uh, and get involved with our kids ministry. It is you guys. We have we have revamped the program. It's all game based. Do you, do you understand? I don't know if you know this. It's game based. How cool is that? What kid would not want to come? I mean, all you do is play games, and it's all around biblical lessons and biblical principles. And the coolest part is that it's designed so that the games go home, so so then you get some interaction with the parents as well at home. And we are so excited about this. So if you like kids and you're not involved here in our family ministries at Grace, this is the year. I'm telling you, this is the year. Please get involved. See, Brenda, she'll work out something with your schedule. I know we all have crazy schedules, but it is a blast. All right. Um, so that was the quick rundown of kind of 2009, um, kind of some things that God's been really inspiring, a bunch of new things that were happening and and where we're headed in 2010. Um, and so kind of in conclusion, I just want to, I want to leave you with a question. i want to leave you with a question. Thinking about this passage in Isaiah and God saying, uh, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do for. I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Don't you see it? question that i have for you guys is um, this is a new year what new thing does god have for you in 2010 what's the new thing that maybe you don't even i don't know maybe maybe you haven't looked at it from the right angle or maybe you haven't noticed what it is that god is doing but but god is always up to new things and you've just heard a laundry list of different things that are going on in terms of groups and assemblies and practices and, and service you know uh, what's the new thing? Where, where might you be able to plug in and get involved in 2010? That's, that's what I want you to, to be thinking about and be praying about. Uh, so let's pray. God, we thank you um, for your word and um, for the fact that uh, you are not a God of routine. God, You're not a God who is uh, able to be predicted or reduced to a formula, but that you are constantly working in exciting new ways. Uh, Lord, um, I thank you for all the new things that you're inspiring at Grace Community Church. I thank you, God, that we are not a church that's entrenched in this mentality of, well, this is the way we've always done things. Uh, but Lord, we are, we are free to move um, and go where, where you are leading. Lord, uh, my prayer for every single person here is, uh, Lord, that you would show each of us what is that new thing that you have for us in 2010. Lord, guide and direct each one of us. We desire to be in the center of your will, both as a church and individually. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name.